Reed's Ranch is proud to part with Marcos Garza and the Garza Law Firm, East Tennessee's premier DUI defense lawyer. Personal injury, criminal defense, if you need a lawyer, go to GarzaLaw.com. 24-7, 365, you can chat with someone, get some more information. You can call them day or night, anytime, at 865-540-8300 and talk to someone, ask some questions, get some answers, and get in touch with Marcos Garza and his team. They've been serving East Tennessee for a long, long time and doing it proudly and doing it better than anybody else around here. Before you say guilty, say Garza. We appreciate Marcos and his team for their support. Let's get to this big, big victory edition of Reed's Ranch right about now. I mean, this is the last stand. You're listening to the unfiltered. Well, I hate to say I told you so. There's nothing to be done besides to get on Twitter and tweet to all my dumbass followers. But I told you so. Hey, I told you so. The controversial. He's a dumbass. He can't do math. He's an idiot. He gets his haircut at Walmart. Look at that shitty haircut. The realest podcast in the Southeast. Let the dogs loose. Let the goons be goons. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. Enough. <laughs> 38 in a row. As in 38 on this point when we were whipping that ass. Ranch gang, stand up. The holy war is upon us. Welcome to Reed's Ranch, the podcast with Seth Hughes. Like, just quit acting like this is any fun at all. Another edition of Reed's Ranch. It's Wednesday. It's February 16th. It's 5 o'clock. Seth Hughes joins me down in Alabama for this special victory. Just beat Kentucky's ass edition of the podcast. How are you, my friend? Good. How are you doing? Been better. I got a really sore neck, but that's okay. Hopefully it uh, passes. But other than that, riding high. Boys got a big win. Kick Kentucky's ass. Felt pretty good. We really did. I mean, it was like a, I mean, it was a beat. Like, we, we whipped them. I mean, we whipped them. Like, they can talk all they want about, like, and I haven't seen what Kentucky fans have been saying or whatever, but I'm sure that if they were to talk, it would be about how Tata Washington didn't play. But like, we, we played extremely long stretches without Josiah James, our most important defender, our, perhaps our most important player, but our best defender. We played long stretches with him in each half, and in the first half without him, we kept the lead where it was. In the second half without him, we extended the lead. So Tennessee played a man down. I mean, look, Tennessee starts the game basically four on five because we start Eurosh. Maybe even three on five because we start Huntley Hatfield too. How long are we going to keep that up? Like until we lose? Like we're just going to keep going? Like if it's not broke, don't fix it. But like it does seem like, you know, I thought it was going to get us in a big hole early. I mean, we're down eight to two and I was like, oh shit, like we might need to go ahead and change this now because like you said, you're starting four on five, maybe three and a half on five, although Huntley Hatfield in the past has given you at least some early points. Yeah. You know, the first game, like, when we played Kentucky, like, Euro didn't do bad against Shweebway. Like, Shweebway wasn't the reason. Like, he didn't go off against us. Like, he really didn't do much of anything against you two that first time. But, like, so, like, I didn't have, like, a huge problem with it. But it was obvious, like, 
Like it's it's obvious if you play a decent opponent that he has to come out quickly. And Fulkerson said last night he he asked to keep coming off the bench. Yeah, I mean, I, it's working for Fulkerson, and whatever we're doing is working. Like, if I'm Fulkerson, I probably like coming in after seeing how the game flows, and also coming in with Ziggler. Like, it's it, it's fun. And then, like you said, you you, you bring the energy of Oroch, and you know. Tata played 13 minutes, which was only, you know, six fewer minutes than Josiah. So you're not wrong there. And then, of course, you add in Kamwa being out. Then, like, yeah, I don't want to hear anything about Kentucky being undermanned. Their, uh, I think their rationale is, A, congrats on winning our Super Bowl, and we care more than they do. Which is kind of, you know, Calipari, it does seem like every year when we beat them, and we do beat them at least once every year, like, Calipari's rationale is just like, Tennessee bullied us. They wanted it more. They played harder than we did. And, you know, it did look like that last night. But it's 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 our Super Bowl, and that they beat us worse in Lexington has been their cope method so far. This idea that, like, this game doesn't matter to them is, like, huge amounts of cope. Like, I, I'm not saying that it matters as much as, like, the Louisville game does to them or whatever, but, like, I was looking at some Twitter replies last night to a Kentucky fan that said something like that. And all these Kentucky fans were, were replying to me, like, look. And, like, several of them were like, I hate Tennessee more than anybody. They were like, even Kentucky fans were like, this is a rivalry. I hate Tennessee more than anybody. But the two teams have played more than any other two teams in the SEC. Tennessee's beaten Kentucky more than anybody else. Now, Kentucky's beaten Tennessee, like, probably more than anybody else has. Yeah. But Tennessee's beaten Kentucky more than anybody else has. Like, it... it this idea that this game doesn't matter to, like, each side is ludicrous. Does it matter something to, like, Tennessee's players more than it does Kentucky's? Probably, because we're talking about guys that were recruited and were told while they were being recruited by everyone that they weren't as good as the people going to Kentucky. But, like, to the fan bases and, like, I just think this is nonsense. Like, that game does matter to Kentucky. They want to beat Tennessee badly. If it's not for Louisville, like, who else would even be their rival? And they're not even playing Louisville every year right now, right? So, I mean, like, if not for Louisville, like, who else is the rival? Like, no one really gives a shit about Kentucky versus Florida anymore no. like in basketball. I know that was cool, like, you know, when Billy Donovan was there, but, like, no one cares about that anymore. It, it's us. It's us for sure. Yeah, it's just – And, like, the, the players, you're right, because, like, I don't know how many – you know, four, five, or six-year guys from Kentucky. Kentucky actually has on the roster, like John Fulkerson, obviously. And, like, you know, I don't know how many players from Kentucky they even have on their team in general. You know, Tennessee has a couple, at least, of Tennessee guys. But, no, like, the the, the players still probably care. But, yeah, not as much as Tennessee. But the fans definitely do. Yeah. This is uh, Davion Mensa's sixth year of college basketball. So, they do actually have a six-year player. Where's he from? Kentucky? No, 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 no. No, I was just saying that because yeah. I, I, it's, it's shocking. He probably does hate John Fulkerson's ass, though. He probably does hate John Fulkerson. Um, but he, he played for like three years at Creighton, too, so he's not even a Kentucky lifer, like, um, or four years at Creighton, I guess. Yeah, like, I mean, it's just weird the way – like, no, like, the way Kentucky fans acted last night told me more than anything how much it drives them crazy that they get got by UT once a year. At least, at least they get got once a year by UT. Sometimes twice. And it's not always like, it's not just always that Tennessee wins the home game and loses the road game. Like, it ain't always like that. You know, I mean, sometimes Tennessee just walks into Rupp and inexplicably wins. But like one time a year, 
Rick Barnes is going to be Kentucky. And we, like, I mean, Rick really does deserve some credit for that because these are good Kentucky teams. He's not going up against Billy Gillespie. He's not going up against somebody like that. He's going up against Calipari teams, and he's like 9-7 and seven against Kentucky. I mean, that's that was Fulkerson's eighth win against UK, right? I believe that is the, is it? It was either seven or eight. I'm not sure. Like, like he's nine and seven, and I saw some. I've seen some stuff about. Yeah, you know, he's he's good for them once a year or whatever. Like that's some like like kind of like a, a slight against Barnes because he's only good once a year. It's like this is Tennessee basketball. He's gone into Rupp multiple times and won at Rupp. Like once a year is amazing. Once a year is better than anybody else has ever done. Period. Nobody, nobody will beat Kentucky like this for the rest of my life. I would put money on it. Especially a Kentucky that's good. He's not going up against Billy Gillespie, who is more than likely stumbling on the sidelines because he's so drunk. He's going up against John Calipari. Like, he always beats Kentucky at least once. And that's Rick's, that's been his best quality, you know, as a coach since he got here. As he, even with Kevin Punter, was able to beat him once. And that really is remarkable. I mean, I did not expect, of all the ways I expected last night to go, what actually happened was not the way I did. I mean, we let them cut it to eight, and then we just punched them back in the mouth harder than they punched us. Jonas, I do, with the tip end. You know, Vescovy tried a little leaner that was kind of contested, and I do got a tip end to put us back up ten, and then we just buried them again. Yeah, there, there was a little nervous energy when they got it to eight. There was a little nervous energy, like, okay, we got to get something going. This team's going to make a run, and then Adu got the tip back in, and then it never happened. Yep, like we had two true freshmen score back to back. Adu on the tip, and then Ziegler had the runner, I believe, the floater, I believe, that was back to back, and then it was twelve, and then it just took off. I mean, I thought that Adu's length bothered Schwebway a lot, and. As crazy as it was, Fulkerson's quickness gave him fits. I mean, he he, he just couldn't stay in front of, of John Fulkerson. That very first possession when Fulkerson got the ball at the top of the key and went straight to the hole. Yeah, that was a very first possession. I want to say that Fulkerson was in on offense. But, yeah, that was eye-opening. But it also let you know that you're getting a good John Fulkerson performance. And Shebley was pretty, like, visibly, like, frustrated. I don't know how much they picked up on TV, but, like, in the stands, like, every time Fulkerson got the better of him, like, he was almost just completely, like, distraught and confused as to how it just happened. Yeah, it, it, over and over, he got taken to the rack by John Fulkerson. I mean, it, it was, you can tell, like, immediately when Fulkerson comes in the game if you're getting good or bad. And it's not even, like, whether or not he scores. It's just, like, how he moves. You know, like, if he's being active and he's getting his hands up, because, like, he blocks more shots than he probably gets credit for, but like a lot of things he was just like strip balls. Like last night he was stripping balls and I do was blocking balls. Like you can just tell how about how active he is being pretty quickly if you're getting the good or bad one. And last night it was you're obviously gonna get the good one. I mean, I think everyone was stunned by that first drive he had, but he just kept doing it. I mean, I do was a revelation. I mean, he had five points and seven rebounds, like three blocks in eighteen minutes. Yeah, he was awesome. We out-rebounded them in the first half. I mean, it was a remarkable performance. Like They grabbed a shit ton of offensive rebounds, but a lot of them were like on their own misses. Like, or just like, a re- obviously an offensive rebounds on your own miss. But like, I just mean, like, I know what you mean. I they would miss mean. and like hit it back up and miss again. Like, they'd get like three offensive rebounds and still not like finish the point. Like, it wasn't like they were flying, getting, grabbing them. It was more like missing bunnies and the ball coming right back to them. Yeah, I will say like how... 
far this team has come in such a short time that like we scored we scored 44 points in the first half, I believe. I believe it was 44 to 32. And if you had told us that like a month ago that we had scored 44 points in a half against Kentucky, well, one, we wouldn't have believed you. But the most shocking thing about it was that like I was upset that we left points on the court. Like uh, we kept missing layups. Well, yeah, like, but, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of agree with you, but at the same time, like, I want to say our offense was the best it had been really this season whenever, you know, against Kentucky the first go-around. Like, we scored yeah. 79 points and shot. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it, we scored 38 in the first half when they kicked our ass in Lexington, so, like, it was just our defense, or really, I mean, just Kentucky had every damn jumper they took, but, like, it, it was a defensive effort problem, not offense. Um, But, like, what we what, what did we score against Texas? Yeah, I mean, it was 52-51. to 51. That, that was the last weekend in January, and here we are. We scored 70-plus points in the first in two of the first eight SEC games, and we've now scored 70-plus in five straight. Credit, credit to Barnes for finally realizing you have to go small, and I thought he did a good job of pulling the plug because Calipari made some adjustments coming out of halftime, and they were just going to completely ignore our bigs. You know, when Hunley Hatfield and Euros were in, like, completely ignore them. Those dribble handoffs weren't going to work because no one gave a shit because neither one of those guys were going to put the ball on the floor. And that that's Fulkerson's biggest attribute offensively sometimes is just being willing to at least dribble the basketball in and be a threat because Uros doesn't want to dribble. Hunley Hatfield doesn't want to dribble. Neither one of those guys want to put the ball on the floor at all. And I thought Barnes pulled the plug and went small very well. So, like, the Texas game – there was at least a valuable lesson, and of course, we made our big comeback with Josiah at the four and Ziggler and making plays, and you know that's our best lineup, and we've used it when we've had to this time. I thought against Mississippi State, Barnes was a little slow to go to it, but I didn't care because hey, we went in the last eight minutes, closed out, and won the game with the small lineup. It seems like he he's was, getting less and less reticent to go to it. Like it seems like he's willing to pull the trigger more and more. Well, Josiah's showing he can handle it, and you're getting the best Fulkerson, and like you're clearly better offensively and defensively when you do it. Or at least, I don't know if the numbers will bear out you're better defensively, but you are more active, and you know the 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 offense is worth if there is a drop-off. You're so much better offensively that it makes up for it. Yeah, I would also like to say uh, like a credit to Vescovi, Vescovi for how good he was on defense last night. He never gets much credit for defense. If somebody talks about his defense, it's always about his hustle. How, how hard he plays. He uh he absolutely hounded Grady. Grady could not do anything last night. Ves- Vescovy was a hound on him, and he also scored, what, 18 points? Yeah, he was awesome last night. I, I, you know, to that point, I thought all Tennessee's guards were good defensively and just kind of Forced Kentucky into shooting like anywhere from like eight to fourteen feet out. Like a lot of the guards' looks, especially, were not anywhere close to the rim. Just you know, compared to in Lexington when they just had a layup line, and against LSU and you know Baton Rouge, they had a layup line. The guards took it personal and didn't let them really drive at all. Yeah, the the start to the game was was nauseating because Kentucky was taking these eighteen footers that nobody takes in basketball anymore. Like they don't take many threes. And they were taking these long twos. But they were all going in. They started out like four for four. And they were sinking them. And I was like, Chweeboy got the ball at the like like a step inside the three-point line. It caught it and immediately went up without any hesitation and just sunk it. And I'm just like, really? 
it's, it's going to be like that. And it wasn't again, like that. Because that's what they did against Lex- That's what they did in Lexington, too. It's just like, really, again, this team is just going to shoot your eyes out. But then they regress to the main, and we cut the water off, and we kick their ass. And, you know, it is weird to see. It, it, it's, it's crazy, but it's, like, shocking to see a team play like that in college basketball. Like, to just take all those long twos. Like, who else does that? But they were doing it, and they've done it for success, you know, this entire year. So, I mean, it was just a uh, – I mean, it was a great – it was just an awesome performance. The atmosphere was rocking inside TBA. I assume it came across really well on TV as well. It did. Shout out, to, shout out to the students. I know we got some students that listen. Shout out to the students. I thought they showed up early and uh, showed out. I thought that was a really good performance by them. Yes, it did. I mean, it, the, the atmosphere just looked amazing. It was rocking. It was rocking. I thought, I mean, we've, we've, I really don't have a problem with the way anybody played last night on the team, but I thought Chandler was awesome. I thought that was, he's kind of put together his back to back, like best performances, I feel like, or at least, um, he was really good against Mississippi State, too, right? Or against Vanderbilt. No, 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 he sucked against Vanderbilt. Never mind. Um, but I thought he was awesome last night, you know, in that first half when you pulled away. And then he never really had to force anything in the second half because you kept a pretty good lead. But I thought, you know, him hitting those two threes and getting to the rim, that reverse layup, just really that pass. Open. That pass by Ziegler was just—I mean, it was sexy. That that pass on that fast break by Ziegler—it's just—it's crazy that as great as Kenley Chan, like Kenley Chandler is awesome. He's amazing, and like they were just letting Zakai handle the ball last night when they were both on the court, which is like not a, like it's obviously it lets Kennedy create more or whatever. But it's just like crazy that Ziegler's become as good as he has in so short a period of time. And I'm glad that we just embrace playing them together. And like Chandler obviously is better at cutting off ball and getting to the rim because he's more athletic and a little taller, but like, no, yeah, Ziegler made great passes and Chandler starting to finish around the rim a little bit better now. That's all it takes. It's kind of like how we were just missing open threes. Like I think Chandler's eventually going to get that floater and that layup going. And he kind of has, and it's just open things up. And like I said, between Mississippi State and Kentucky, I think those are two of his three best games of the season, and he's played them, you know, pretty much back to back. And I love just the transition, dribble up into a deep three and nail oh, it. Like it, I, it I was, loved that confidence. That was just man, that was sexy. It was. It was just. There's so many offensive plays. The way that 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 they move the ball when the three guards are out there, and the way they cut, and just like Chandler and and Santi, like they'll be driving down the baseline, and they're like walking on like a a tightrope, like 20 feet, and then they'll, you know, above the ground, and then, like, some, they'll just, like, zip this pass on the dot to somebody. And, it, you know, they're just, they're very just accurate with their passes, and, like, it's just that their ball movement and the way they move when the, when that four-guard lineup is out there, I mean, it's just beautiful. It's just totally changed. I mean, we're, like, in the, like, 27th on Ken Palm on offense now. It wasn't that long ago we were in the 60s. Um. And we're still we're still fourth in defense. Like that's the thing. We're still we're still top five in defense on Kim Palm. You know, I think with with Zakai, like obviously the toughness is unexpected. But like I do think he kind of plays the role that I envisioned Powell. Like I thought that was like who we we're gonna get with Powell, kind of like a secondary ball handler that could put Chandler off the dribble so, or off ball sometimes and kind of help him like in create offense and. Obviously, Powell hasn't taken over that role. It's been Zakai. But, like, whenever I was so high on this team in the preseason, you know, I said 13-5 and five in conference should be the floor. And, that I, you know, I thought this team fit better together than, like, really any team we've had since the number one team in the country. 
felt stupid, you know, at the beginning of the year and the beginning of the SEC play, but like now you kind of see that rounding into form. And like I said, Zakai's kind of that guy you, you hoped Powell would be, but you know, he's awesome. He's awesome. And I really hope we find some, uh, some big NIL money for him over the next couple of years. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy to be sitting here, but like, you know, Tennessee could win the SEC title. We need Arkansas. We need, we need Auburn to drop one. We I, need some help. I don't like, know who's going to beat them if you look at their schedule. Their like, schedule is so much easier than UT's just in general yeah. in the conference. Like, I'm not talking about just these last little bit, but like Auburn, Auburn didn't have to play Kentucky twice. They didn't have to play LSU twice. And they didn't have to play Arkansas twice. You know, I don't know who else is going to beat Auburn either. I mean, like, it's basically they have to lose at Florida or Mississippi State. But like, they, play, they play Vandy at Florida, Ole Miss, at us, and at Mississippi State and South Carolina. So, like, yeah, like, got to hope either Florida or Mississippi State could pull the upset on the road. But I really, I did not expect to be sitting here at 10-3 and three in the conference. And 19-6 overall. I mean, Lenardi has us as a three seed as of this morning. Um, we're up to the top 10 in net. We're 10th in Ken Palm. Um. And well, we were we were we were we were number ten before last night, so we didn't even really get that big. Yeah, we we we, we, we didn't we didn't bump we didn't bump in Ken Palm in it. We jumped one in the net. Yeah, we went from ten to nine after the I, game. I think we first. might have jumped two spots in Torvik. I think we went from fifteen to thirteen in that maybe. Um, but to me, one of the yeah, we did jump two spots in Tor- Torvik. One thing that was such a relief to me was like Saturday is house money. Now, like, you got one this week. You needed to get one, and you got it out of the way. And now, like, you don't have to be tight Saturday. Like, obviously, like, it's an important game, and it would be just incredible to win. But, like, you at least got one this week. You beat a one seed. You've gone a long way to solidifying a top-four finish as well. I can pretty much guarantee a double bye in the SEC tournament now. You got your one win of the week. Like you had to get, like you said. So, like, yeah, that last night was huge. I had more confidence in beating Kentucky than I did at Arkansas. So, like, it was good to win the win last night. Mm-hmm. I don't know how if I like the way we match up because I think Arkansas is pretty good at going small too. Like, I, they're they're pretty athletic. So that's going to be a fun game. And obviously, Bud Walton's a tough place to play. We don't really win there very often. I don't think we've won there since '09. I counted it up. I think it's been a long time. Oh man, remember when? Uh... The year we were the three seed, and we dropped that game there to open up SEC play after leading the whole game. I wanted to kill somebody. My blood was boiling. Well, it's like, like, what, like 95 to 93 or something? In like overtime, I think. Like, the only game that, like, really has made me that angry in regular season since then is that LSU game. This is the next year when we lost at LSU. Uh-huh. But, man, that, that game at Bud Walton that year made me livid. But, yeah, I mean – to me, I've not watched tons of Arkansas play, but I've watched the last two games. If Tennessee could keep them from shooting a million free throws like they did against Kentucky and Alabama, Tennessee's going to be all right. I'm not saying Tennessee's going to win, but they they shot a million free throws each of those games. I think our guards can bother Note. I, I think Josiah can stop the – I don't even know how to say his name, Abuwe or whatever his name is. I don't even know how to say it, but then like – they got that sophomore Williams that kind of Jalen Williams. Stre- yeah, he plays a pretty good like stretch five when they go small. So like he's been pretty good lately. Yeah, it's gonna be a good matchup. It's gonna be a good matchup. Before we get to like patron questions, uh, any thoughts on the sideline dust up? It was really surprising to see Kentucky's bench get two technicals basically within five minutes of the game. Yeah. So first of all, it was 
it is comical, okay? It is comical that Calipari got so upset to get a technical over a clear-as-day foul on Schwebway. He had to have just been trying to, like, send a message. Like, had to have been, like, trying to, like, use his early tech and get, like, a good whistle the rest of the game. But, like, yeah, it was it was ridiculous at how mad he got. That was, yeah, it, like... If it wasn't that, then it's just then it was just absolutely bizarre. Um, at first, I thought he was mad, like because when at the beginning of that play, Josiah was backing Wheeler down, like it was obviously like they had told Josiah if he got that matchup to take Wheeler to the post, and Cal Perry was like going crazy that they weren't that they weren't calling like an arm bar on Josiah, and then he just lost it over the sweep rebound, so that was absurd. But then like. It was crazy to me that, like, Kentucky started it. And it wasn't a Kentucky player, but Kentucky started it. And none of their players got penalized, but ours did. Like, I would just rather not, like, again, I've said this before, don't call anything if you're going to call a double tech. If you're going to call offsetting penalties in football, don't call anything. Like, offsetting personal fouls, don't call anything. Just don't call anything because it is nothing but the referee copping out and just bowing out and saying, I don't want the heat of this. Like, their player, their coach, went after one of our guys for no reason. It's it's on the tape. And no matter what was said, if, if he's going to claim Tennessee said anything, if Zakai said anything, like, there's nothing Zakai could have said that, that could justify a grown adult going after an 18-year-old like that. Especially because he had already gone trying to chest bump, like, Vescovy before Zakai even got there. And, you know, the double technical thing when it's two players, sometimes I think it makes sense just because, you know, if you get two technicals, you get ejected. So, like, you do, you want to kind of keep players from just completely wilding out and you want to, like, you know, it does cost you a personal foul. But in last night's case, like, Kentucky wasn't even hurt. It, it cost Ziggler a, per, a personal foul that could have been big had it been, like, you know, somebody that would get in foul trouble. And, like, you know, Kentucky had no punishment because it's just the sideline and, like, if he gets ejected, so what? Like it, it, it actually was, you know, weighted towards hurting us much more yes. than it hurt Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, it was. And, you know, it seemed like, you know, I don't know, like the second half, the whistle was heavily slanted towards UT. I mean, UT got a good whistle in the second half. And, you know, I don't know if it was like, because Barnes was furious over the tech. And he even, he told Shouse, he was like, you know, I'm just going to tell my guys, you know, I'm just going to try and get bench technicals from now on because it does nothing to my team. He's like, he's like, this is absurd that, that you know, we get penalized for this at the end of the day and they don't. And he, he was furious. And so, but like the second half, the whistle turned around big time and we, we ended up with, with many, with more free throws than they did. And also we shot free throws very well. Fulgerson didn't miss one all night um, and Ziegler was uh, perfect from the foul line as well. I want to say it was six to one or seven to one by the time we got to like the one on one. Like we only had one team foul against us in the second half, so like we played good defense. We also got a good whistle, but like that's just how college basketball is on the road. Like, yeah, welcome to it, Kentucky. Eat shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if anybody deserves that, it's Kentucky. Eat shit, Kentucky. So you know, I mean, we 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 whipped them. You know, there's just no other way to. Um, to, to to say what what happened last night. I mean, it's just we whipped them. I look forward to meeing you embracing in Tampa for the rubber match <laughs> in the uh, semifinals of the SEC tournament. 
We might just win the damn SEC. It's crazy. It's crazy. So much fun. It's just so much fun. Basketball at this time of year, when, when a team gets rolling, it's just so much fun. I mean, I've been so happy today. We just went out there and just drilled Kentucky. I mean. Left no doubt. It's just awesome. Let's get to some patron questions. Patreon.com slash Reed's Ranch. Gave uh, two tickets away to some patrons last night for the game. Hope they had a good time. I believe Jake said he was taking his son, so hopefully they had a good time. Uh, giving away some baseball tickets throughout the year. Giving away the opening series against Georgia Southern to some patrons. So if you are interested in the tickets, patreon.com slash Reed's Ranch. Seth, let's uh, – no new patrons again. Our uh, bullying did not work. Let's just get to some questions and get this podcast over with. Brother Justin Hanna. Since most of the audience doesn't even appreciate us, I guess. Love Justin Hanna. What's he got to say? Who should Cody Rhodes face at WrestleMania? Have you been keeping up with this story, Seth? I have not, but... Do you know who Cody Rhodes is? Yeah, I know who Cody Rhodes is. Who is Cody Rhodes? Um, I'm Googling him right now. So you don't know who he is? Is he like the son of somebody? He is the son of somebody. Hey, son of Dusty. Okay, son of Dusty. Okay. Son of the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. But he's also... You know, one of the guys who left, well, he is the only guy who left WWE to, like, start their rival competition, AEW. So he started, like, the one that's, like, you know, just kind of been up and running the last couple of years. It's been doing really well, and apparently he's now leaving them, and people are speculating he is going back to the WWE. Okay. I mean, as far as who his match would be, I really don't know. I haven't really been keeping up with it. I mean, feel like at some point we'll have to have, like, a discussion about him taking the sledgehammer to the throne, kind of taking shots at Triple H, although I don't know if he's wrestling anymore since he had a heart attack. But also, like, I don't know if Cody would come back to lose a Triple H. Triple H doesn't like losing. So I don't really know, but it's a weird question for you to start patron questions with, Seth. But either way. It was the I, first I have, one. I don't have an answer for you, Hannah. Although there is talks that they're trying to bring Stone Cold back, Seth, for a match. <laughs> there is talks about that. So it seems as if the... The WWE is getting kind of uh, desperate right now. Brother G-Man asks, for you only, what Sopranos character would Cal and Barnes be? You've never watched The Sopranos, correct? I've, I've not. So you couldn't answer anyways. Okay, let's see. What am I thinking? Okay, for 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 Calipari, I'm going to go with uh, Phil Leotardo. I'm going with him. He was kind of the uh, the main villain at the uh, the end of the series. Just real, real skis ball, real scumbag. Got the slick back hair, kind of like uh, uh, like like John does, or at least somewhat slick back, not really. And for uh, Barnes, I'm going to go with uh, Johnny Sack, who you know was really kind of the only guy that I felt like had good morals of all the uh, the mobsters and gangsters. So. Uh, I'll give that to Barnes. There you go, G-Man. I don't know if Rick's wife, I don't believe she is fat like Johnny's was, but even if she was, Rick still would have still would have loved her. How wholesome was uh, Rick Barnes and Dick Vitale last night? Oh, you didn't get to watch. Very wholesome. Rick Barnes is a good man. Rick Barnes is a good man. I was in the I was in the arena, Seth. He sends a text message to Dick Vitale every day, every single day, telling him that he is praying for him 
and that you know he loves him and that you know he's thinking about him every single day he he, he texts him and tells him he's praying for him oh i see it dick vitell shares it every single day oh he does on twitter yeah dick vitell tweets it out every day i'm just kind of like we get it it's nice of barnes to do but just i feel like that's an intimate thing i don't know i wonder how barnes feels about it getting shared I guess he probably doesn't care because maybe it's like, you know, helping witness to other people yeah. and his faith and like more people should pray for each other and all that stuff. But like, I feel like Barnes was not doing that for notoriety. So it's almost kind of embarrassing that like it would get shared. Yeah. Or not embarrassing. You know what I mean? Just like not modest. Yeah. Looks like yeah, you're doing it, it for it, the wrong reasons. It's personal. Right. Yeah. Like some stuff should just be kept between you. But, you know, Dick's old and doesn't really understand the Internet. So Barnes probably gives him a pass. He does seem very nice, though. It is a nice thing to do for people. Yeah, so Barnes is a good man. Uh, Brother CB, if you had to launder money like Marty Bird, what business ventures would you guys launder the money through? I mean, the popular ones are like, I mean, obviously casinos and like car washes, right? I mean, like Breaking Bad is like do car washes. Anything you're dealing with cash. I mean, honestly... I, mean, I feel like it was pretty easy to kind of do stuff like that, like on the farm too, if you're just dealing with like cows and stuff. Yeah. What was it they used in the wire? Didn't they have like a Kinko's type place where they like printed stuff out? And Maybe walk- I just started rewatching the wire. I haven't, uh, I haven't gotten back to that point. But yeah, like, or I don't know if like they were, yeah, they weren't printing stuff out, but like, yeah, Stringer Bell does like invest in like a, a Kinko's shop or something like that. Okay, right? maybe it was that. Yeah. Like a laundromat. Don't people use laundromats? Yeah. Anything that you're dealing with a bunch of cash is usually, I think, pretty easy. But I'm not going to incriminate myself any further, so I don't really have any answers. Like, Brother CB, a.k.a. a Fed? My goodness. Brother Ryan Shannon, have your tournament expectations changed in the last few weeks? That's a uh, good question. Well, yeah, yeah, for sure. The answer is obvious. Like, before a few weeks ago, I think we all would have said, like, this team has a decently good shot of going home on the first weekend. Yeah, so that's maybe the thing. The first, like, maybe the first game. It's like, you know, I think for more or less, like, when you get to the second weekend, like, anything can happen. So that's kind of like where I set my, like, just get to the second weekend. Like, get there and things happen. You know, things can happen. Like, is our official expectation now Sweet 16 or bust? But see, my thing, like, well, I don't know. But, like, before, before, if you had told me we were going to be a five seed, I would have said, Okay, that's fine, but we're going to lose to, like, Oregon or North Texas or any te- – like, we're going to lose in the 5-12 game. Like, now I think we're going to be, like, a 3 or 4 seed, and I don't expect to lose that first game. But you don't expect to win the second game yet? Like, if we're a 3, we should beat a 6. Yeah, I do. I do. I do. Right now, I do. But, like, okay, just so like yeah, so – it's changed. We're sweet 16 Yeah, well, it has. That's what I'm saying. Like, I would have said a month ago, like, it's a coin flip whether or not we lose that first game. And if we were going to be in a 5 seed, I would bet against us. But now I think that like we're prop like the way we're playing now, there's only a handful of teams that are going to beat UT. Being a four seed would suck because you're drawing a one seed, and you know you could run into a juggernaut, right? Like you could play Arizona, Gonzaga. Like I don't want any part of either one of those. If you get a three seed though, like you could ha- get back in the chance to where you have a chance to you know get get to the elite eight. So yes, tournament expectations have changed. This isn't a typical Barnes team like that feels like it's running out of gas or feels like eh, it's still got some you know things it needs to improve on. Like this team's you know at this point, which still time to mess it up, but it's firing on all cylinders right now. Yeah, they're 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 playing their best basketball right now. Um, 
before. Obviously, that's not exactly me like splitting the atom, but it's never been that way really under Barnes. No. So, you know, even with the Grant and Admiral years, we kind of limped in a little bit. Outside of, I mean, outside of the year, I guess, I don't know. What was the, was the year we were number one? Was that also the year we lost in the SC Championship to Auburn? That was, right? Because we'd kind of limped in before the SC tournament, but then we got to the SEC championship. We really weren't limping in that year we were the three seed, in my opinion. I mean, we we, we played awesome in the SEC tournament, and, and we played awesome in the SEC championship game. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we weren't limping in then either. Yeah. Kentucky just had Winnie and Gabriel, and we just ran into Sister Jean. It wasn't like – but, like, the next that year – Goddamn Winnie and Gabriel. But the next year, we were limping in somewhat. I mean, like, we just, we had lost, we had gone so long without losing, and then all of a sudden, we lost LSU and Auburn, and. Yeah. Yeah. We can go ahead and lump the Vanilla Gorillas question into there. Is this the, uh, is the Elite Eight the updated ceiling for this team? Because I think this team can get to a Final Four. I was about to say, I think the ceiling is the Final Four. Me and you said last week we think Kentucky is our pick to win the championship. And Tennessee, I'm not going to say you beat them at their best because Ty Ty wasn't 100%, but, like, you beat the shit out of them. Like, yes, being at home played a big part of that, but you can beat Kentucky, which means that you can beat a one seed. You beat Arizona. It's like you can potentially get to a Final Four. Yeah, I mean, like – we're not predicting that. We're just saying that's a ceiling. That's what the ceiling means. Tennessee is a top 10 team in the advanced stats. Like, Tennessee can make the Final Four. I'm not saying that I expect them to. I'm not saying that, like, Rick's not going to be Rick in the NCAA tournament. I'm just saying, like, Tennessee There is has, that. There is that elephant in the room. Like, Tennessee has Kennedy Chandler. And he was really good last night. And, I mean, like... He is a five-star point guard. He is a five-star point guard, and Tennessee's got a really good two-guard. Tennessee's got a really good backup point guard that, I mean. We got three really good guards, and they can all score. They can score. Like, that one of those one of those threes Vescovy hit last night, it was absurd how quickly he caught it and shot it. And it was a pure shot. I mean, like, it was just a, like, he has, he has a pretty shot because he's a lefty, as you say. But, like, it, his trigger is so much faster than it has been. Like, I, it, I mean, it was just crazy last night. Like, he caught it and shot it just like, boom. I mean, they can score. Like, when Ziegler gets going, he puts points on the board so fast. It's crazy. Um, So, yeah, I think the Final Four is a ceiling. I'm not saying that I expect them to because I don't because Tennessee's never gone to a Final Four. But, I mean, they could. Hell, why not? Why not? That's what I have to say. Why not? I don't have an answer. I mean, I do, but we're just going to – let's move on. Brother Chad, our very first patron. John, how much will they have to pay you to live in the Disney neighborhood? Well, I mean, it would be weird. Are they going to be shooting fireworks off like once a weekend? Like, So, like, Disney is basically what? They're developing a neighborhood? They're basically making a neighborhood into a Disney resort. Is that essentially what's happening there? I did not know. This is the first I've heard. Oh, okay. So, like, Disney's announced, like, a new business venture, Seth, like, where they are basically taking over some subdivision. I don't know if they're building it from scratch. Maybe they're building it from scratch, like, in some place in California. Okay. And, like, it's all going to be, like, Disney-fied, and they're going to have shows and restaurants and just Disney stuff. I don't know exact, the exact details, but, I mean. So, this is not the first time they've done this. 
Oh, is it not? It's the first time I've heard of it. Like I don't, I don't so, know. EBCOT stands for Experimental Prototype Community Community of Tomorrow, and Walt Disney was in the feverish throes of planning it out as an entire city when he died. Decades later, the company built the town of Celebration, Florida, and now they announced today this Rancho Mirage, California, and that additional locations in the United States are under exploration for future development. So this story by Vulture says that Disney is going back to its roots. Okay. I mean... Do I have to like partake in everything? Because the night the neighborhood looks pretty nice. I mean, it's gonna be top notch. It might it's gonna be expensive. So like, I mean, like, feel like it'd be a pretty good place to live. I bet it's an awesome place to live. Now I don't have kids, so I'd feel like a creep there. Like I don't think they're gonna let single guys live there in the Disney thing. So like, I don't want to be put on any lists. So like, that might be a deterrent. And dealing with a a bunch of Disney people. No offense, Chad, our very first patron. Like that would be a deterrent. But no, I mean, I'm not, I'm not I, don't, I don't like hate Disney by any means. Kids would always, like my, my nieces and nephews would always want to come hang out at least. Pretty popular uncle. He asked me would I rather live in a rural New Hampshire town or Boston for a year. Uh, rural New Hampshire. Boston seems like, it's, it's like, I don't like, it. nothing about Boston seems cool except uh, that actually surprises me. I thought you would except, like an appreciate except colonial, except colonial yeah. America. That's it. I thought you'd appreciate the history. But there's, but there's, uh, Boston is now Little Ireland. I also thought you would appreciate that. No, I, as someone of English ancestry, we've made, we've been dunking on Ireland for like the last five hundred years. No, I don't. I dislike the Irish. They're loud. I thought you would. I thought you would want to be there and feel superior. I thought they're, that was right they're down uncouth. Your, right down they're your uncouth. Lane. The Irish are uncouth. And if you are listening in your Irish, all fence mint. The Irish are uncouth. Give me New Hampshire. Go eat some damn potatoes. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're surrounded by the Atlantic Ocean, and you're known for potatoes. You're known for potatoes, and you're surrounded by the Atlantic Ocean. The Dutch built an amazing navy. They, 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 they owned trade over the sea. The Spanish had the Armada. The English built a better navy that crushed the Armada. And Ireland is known for potatoes. They're known for potatoes. I do like french fries. They're known for potatoes and a famine. No, I'm out on Ireland. Mashed potatoes might be my favorite version of the potato, though. They are mine, too. Well, I guess french fries. I don't know. I don't know. I kind of like mashed potatoes better. Potatoes and car bombs, yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. Producer, that's what, delete the, that. The, that's what Tuck said. Potatoes are known for potatoes uh, well, and car producer, bombs. Producer, cut that out. Cut that out. Brother Matthew, aka OG, aka OG Matt, which country would you invade and make State Fifty One just because you could? John, I mean, it would have to be like either Canada or Mexico since it's the closest, right? I mean, you can't really. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard. I, mean, to... I guess is this about like Russia, like trying to take over Ukraine? Like, uh, are we going to war, Seth? What's happening here? I don't. I don't think so. I think it's all an op. I think it's all an op. Okay. I don't think so. I would. I would. I've never been to Canada. I need to go. I need to get my pass. You have. You have to have a passport to get into Canada, right? Yeah, you do, do now. You? Okay. I've been before without one, but last time I went, I had to have a passport. Okay. Maybe you my just passport's have... expired. It, Maybe... it was. A, it was due to get expired right right when COVID started, so I didn't prioritize it. Now it's expired, and I. Maybe you really... only need a driver's license. That's what I thought. I wasn't. I wasn't sure. I, I didn't know if it changed or not because I thought like back in the day you just had to have like, a license. I've been just with a license before. Um, I'd like to go to Toronto. 
But last time I, I used a passport. A valid U.S. passport. Yeah, okay. Oh, well, I need to get mine updated. So, you know, there you go. Um, yeah, I don't I really would, understand the question. Like, I mean, because uh, I feel like it has to be near you. So it has to be either Canada or Mexico, and I don't. I disavow. I disavow all efforts to add a 51st state. Puerto Rico does not need to count as a state. They're worthless. They don't do anything. We keep them up. Why would we give them statehood? And Washington, D.C. definitely does not need statehood because Washington, D.C. needs to be wiped off the face of the earth. Well, if you wiped Washington, D.C. off the face of the earth, there would just be like a new Washington, D.C. Like they just pick a new place. Just for Baby steps, John. Baby steps, John. What about California splitting into three states? What if we had 52 states? I, I think America's, I think 50 states is good. It is a nice round number. I think it should be kept. You don't want to have to start like changing the flag. Yeah. God, God knows we do enough of that with the uh, with all the colors we make it. <laughs> leave it the way it is. Was that it? Um, I'm still looking. Uh, oh, Brother Marwan, aka Wheezy, aka the Palestinian Playboy. Feelings on Tannehill being the Titans' quarterback next year, John. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I think it just kind of is what it is, Seth. It feels a little bit like, you know, not to do like the typical Tennessee fan and talk about like, you know, the same years all the time and compare everything in our lives to that, but it was kind of like heading into 2016 with Butch Jones, like you know you couldn't fire him, so like you might as well just like make the best of it, you know what I mean? Yeah. You thought you had talent. Like I, I think the Titans are still going to be good next year. Like, I think our roster's still going to be really, really good. So, like, I think the team's still going to be really good. So, they'll suck me back in, much like the 2016 Vols did. But, like, I think, you know, does seem like Tannehill's a different quarterback in the playoffs. It does seem like he loses his damn mind. And that was the frustrating part about the Super Bowl, Seth. Well, not even frustrating. The, the thing that I admired about Matt Stafford, which, granted, I don't know if he had any other options. But on that last drive, they were like, you know what? If we lose, we're losing – Going to Cooper Cup. Going to throwing to Cooper Cup, yeah. Yeah, even if I have to do a no-look pass to Cooper Cup in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl and risk throwing the worst interception in Super Bowl history, I am going to do it because we have a superstar. And two years now in a row, we've lost in the playoffs, we being the Titans, whereas like where, 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 they, where they haven't like targeted A.J. Brown pretty much at all in the fourth quarter. And that frustrates me. Like, we threw the game-deciding, season-deciding interception to Nick Westbrook-Akina, like in like double coverage, rather than throwing to A.J. Brown, who had been unguardable for, like, you know, a month straight. So that's my biggest concern with Tannehill is, like, maybe he just needs to be more of an asshole and, like, just like, hey, I got a really good receiver. I'm going to throw him the ball. Because that's what Stafford did, and it got him to a Super Bowl. And got him a championship. How crazy was that no-look to both? It was pretty dirty. I mean, he does them all the time, though. Like, he's been doing them for years. Like, he, he's been doing them since Mahomes. Yeah. There was one, like, a couple years ago when he was in Detroit that he did to the Titans in the end zone that was just as dirty. Like, he's really, really good at that. Yeah. That was a, that was a pretty sick throw. Um, it was perfect. I mean, he, the, the, the eyes, like, when you watch the slow motion replay, you could tell the eyes moved Von Bell just two steps to the left. Yeah. It, it, it froze Bell, yeah. Yeah, just perfect. Yeah, I mean, you're right. They just were like, okay, we're just going to throw it to Cooper Cup. And, you know. And we're going to give him the ball in the end rounds. And, like, we're going to throw the ball in the one-yard line. We're going to win or lose with Cooper Cup. And they won. Meanwhile, 
Last year against the Ravens, we threw an interception trying to throw it to Cameron fucking Batson. And this year, we were throwing to Nick Westbrook-Akina instead of throwing it to A.J. Brown. So that's my biggest problem with Tannehill. Those goddamn interceptions. Now my neck doesn't hurt so bad, Seth, because my heart hurts. Maybe the basketball balls and Rick Barnes will finally give me that championship I've been chasing. <coughs> Brother Logie, what is your ideal situation for watching a sporting event? Well, if my ideal, it depends on the game. If it's a big game, if it's a big basketball game or a medium level conference football game and up, my ideal situation is watching it in the stadium with my best friend Luke with a Reed's Ranch tailgate beforehand so I can see my brothers and give them all hugs and kisses sometimes. I even have been known to, to kiss some to kiss some of my brothers. If I'm not watching in person, my ideal situation is on my parents' love seat with my dad on the couch, the remote in my hand, and not a single woman in the house. My sisters and mother out shopping. That those are my two ideal situations. Yeah, for me, I still love being in the building. Like that's still number one for me. Like you said, like that's still that's still special being there, especially for big games. Like if my team's playing, like that's that's the best. But otherwise, um, I just like being in a room by myself. I prefer like for I love Frank, my pup, but I prefer for him to be somewhere else because he just sits in the corner and looks very scared at me the whole time. If I get up and start pacing and I feel bad, I feel like it's almost dog abuse to, uh, to an extent. And I keep trying to tell him it's okay. And he just sits there with his tail, just looking up so sad at me. So I'd prefer to be in a room by myself where I can get up in front, uh, you know, pace in front of the TV. Yeah. Do things of that nature and not really have to talk to anybody. Yeah. I, I watched the game last night by myself because of the late tip and Mo. Oh, I think. High fives, high fives in person are so cool though. Yeah, it's like the you know, sports like, high five is so cool. Like the just you know the Ole Miss football game, like Tennessee lost or whatever, but just like the the stadium, fifteen minutes before kickoff to kickoff, like you cannot beat that. And like I don't even like I don't even go into those like five minutes before kickoff, but it's like those five minutes, like when Tennessee's running through the tee. And it's at night, and it's a big game, and people are like, you know, people are, are excited, and they're, you know, they're happy to be there, they're excited to be there, they have hope. Like, you cannot beat that. I mean, it's just, it, and still, I've gone to countless UT football games, and nothing beats, nothing beats that. Like, nothing go, nothing beats going to, like, a tournament basketball game and Tennessee winning. I mean, it is so cool to go to an NCAA tournament game and watch Tennessee win. It doesn't matter if it's, like, a three versus a 14. Like Tennessee gets to play, and half the other teams that played that day don't. So being there's nothing beats being there. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, for me, it has to be a big game though to get me out there. Yeah, I don't like going to like for a football game. It needs to be like a middle level conference game or up, and a basketball game needs to be a big game to get me. It has to be high level for me to be there for conference football right now, like especially for the Vols. Yeah, they're so long. If, so I wish long. college football would fix the length. I don't like a lot of the game day festivities. Like I don't like the like a lot of the pregame stuff. I don't care about anymore. I know you talked about running through the tee. Like that's the only thing I like. Is running yeah. through the tee. 
But like, I, I just like the plays. I, I like cheering after big plays and giving each other high fives. Yeah. It's always cool to fellowship. It's always good to fellowship. With all that being said, when I went, I went to the Ole Miss basketball game this year, and it was a miserable experience. Oh yeah, I had to for be like that. for for almost all of the game. It had to be. So I'd much rather watch that one on mute in my in my living room as I read a book. Yeah, you couldn't like you can't you could not get me to go to like that Tennessee versus South Carolina game that was at UT this year. I mean, no, like under no circumstances. Like that's just gross. Like I don't want to watch Frank Martin team in person. You know, or like a Tennessee George. I don't want to watch Tom Crean's hapless Bulldogs in person. Like I went to that the the last time we played at Ole Miss with Admiral when he took that charge. I was there for that, and that was awesome. When I think Ole Miss made the tournament that year, they were pretty good. That was awesome. They were so mad. They were, they were just furious. Being at away games and winning is is great. Let's leave it there. Being at home and winning is fun, too, though. I I think I still prefer the big home win. Yeah. Uh, Winning is just cool. I mean, yeah, it's a good good point. Like, is a road win cooler or a home win? I I don't know. They're both both cool. They're both awesome. Yeah. They're both awesome. What's more depressing, the home loss or the road loss? Home loss. Home loss. Home loss. Home loss. Yeah. You just have a lot of players had. But, like, losing, like, the drive back. Losing sucks and winning is cool. Like the drive back on after a road game, like driving from like Baton Rouge to Knoxville, I did one time after we won and then lost. Like that was brutal. That was bad. But losing at home is still worse. You going to Baton Rouge this year? Probably not. No, I, I, I don't. I no. You had a miserable time there, right? It was that's like the, that's like the only time I've ever felt scared. Like, their fans are crazy. I didn't know you are a pussy. Well, I, I mean, I would, I'm would. i not afraid to knife somebody, John. Sounds like bitching here. I carry a little pocket knife in my pocket everywhere. I, I put it in my foot when I go into the stadium so I don't get it taken away. I'm always strapped. But, man, they would just get up in your face and just, they're crazy. <laughs> crazy. Uh. All right, I love you. Have a good night. I love you too, buddy. Bye-bye. See ya. Yesterday's price is not today's price. Imagine every player's aiming coach right. Master recipes under stove lights. The number on his jersey is the quote price. You order Diet Coke, that's a joke, right? Everybody get it off the boat, right? But only I can really have a snow fight. Detroit nigga challenge, what's your dope like? If your bin's bigger, step it up to ghost life. Missy was our only misdemeanor. My tunnel vision's better under stove lights. You order Diet Coke, that's a joke, right? My workers compensated so they don't strike. Wish me luck, see green like Don Bishop. The ones you trust don't change like them chains you tuck. Far as I'm concerned, who's the best? Me and Yezos. Washed and dry, so give me all of mine and pesos. Add it up. Your bitches in them pictures, but they laser tagging us. They mad at us. Who wouldn't be? We became everything you couldn't be. Everything 
your mama said you shouldn't be. The Porsche's horse is revving like, look at me. Saddle up. I'm still pitching, baby, batter up. Imaginary players ain't been coached right. Master recipes under stove lights. The number on his jersey is the quote price. You order Diet Coke, that's a joke, right? All you niggas get it off the boat, right? But only I can really have a snow fight. Detroit nigga challenge, what's your dope like? If your bin's bigger, step it up to ghost life. The flow's untouched, the drums is tough. Drive cullin' in when roads get rough. Snow's a must, the nose adjust. Young G's like we hove and puff. Best jewelries and hoes we lust. Chanel trinkets, same hoes will blush. Crush hearts like pretty boys. And we driving pretty toys. Extendos will make plenty noise. Crescendo, make your car endo. Pierce your car window. Missy was our only misdemeanor. Nike box hole, a hundred thou with no insoles. Uh, the crack era was such a black era. How many still standing reflecting in that mirror? Lucky Imaginary me. players ain't been coached right. Master recipes under stove lights. The number on his jersey is the quote price. You order Diet Coke, that's a joke, right? All you niggas get it off the boat, right? But only I can really have a snow fight. Detroit nigga challenge, what's your dope like? If your bin's bigger, step it up to ghost life. Crack, 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 crack,